Speaking of cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Everybody, what's cracking? Welcome to Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. It is Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, on episode number 470. Adjusted my table here. Getting it after everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Matthew Necci, not only IT, all of Goldfinger, Tom Bishop. Folks over on LinkedIn, Pastor Muppets on Discord, Sherry, Jeremy Williams, the mods, Simply Cyber community members, cybersecurity community members, first-timers and long-timers. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be providing my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, you're going to get value here because you will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current um, in the industry? And I'm telling you what, nothing is a better answer. I mean, there's probably better answers, but I personally feel like the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is not just an excellent answer, but it's an easy answer. If you feel like it's work to stay current in the industry, you might be, you might want to find uh, some other way to do it. And I don't know. I think this is great. Mod uh, chats over here on the other side of me. They're all great. Gregor Lytech coming in from the European uh, region. Gregor, if you're still over there. But it's good to see everybody. I got the full French press today. I ra I was running late, so I haven't even plunged this sucker. So we're going to do that together on stream. And I got to tell you, I'm pretty pumped about it because I do I do like my coffee, people. But before I get into the coffee, before I start shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and it is Wednesday, which means Worldwide Wednesday. So stay tuned for that particular lovely event. Let me give some shout outs and hollas to the stream sponsors, starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions. Y'all, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber, uh, thank you, Jenny. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also want to say shout out and thank you to Panopsi Security for the continued support of the podcast. Panopsi Security, get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. Essentially, the TLDR here with Panopsi is if you need help figuring out and sorting out what you're doing as an information security program, if you just go into work and like react to whatever's happening that day, 
let me just tell you, there's a better way. Okay. Like you can be proactive. You can take control of your information security program and, you know, start guiding it down a path towards maturity, barricade cyber with a, um, barricade cyber with a, uh, 50 squad member support. Yep. Thank you so much. So many. Oh, we got a hundred coming in hot, coming in hot. Wow. All right. So another hundred uh, squad members coming in. Thank you so much, Barricade Cyber Solutions. We've only got 100, well, 187 people in here. So if you, my friend, are a now got your, your name on LinkedIn, on, on YouTube, it's green and you've got a little badge next to it. Welcome to the squad. And you can thank my man, Eric Taylor, and the whole team over at Barricade Cyber Solutions for that gift. If you want to know, if you can't, um, if you're not accepting it, you have to click on the, uh, like the, uh, in chat at the top, there's like a little green thing with a present that says 50. By clicking on that, you can accept the gift. It doesn't just go give it to you immediately. Uh, but hey, you know what? Michael Andrewsy, first timer. Good morning, everyone. Been listening for a month, but today's the first time catching it live. Well, you know what? Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. I love it, love it, love it. All right. Also, anti-siphon training, but more about them at the mid-roll. Let me take a slug of this water as the uh, squad memberships wash over everybody. I think we may unlock a new emote. If you want, uh, I think we could do the uh, John McClane from Die Hard emote. Also, we have the opportunity for Hack the Planet. Johnny Lee Miller from the movie Hackers emote. Also, I want to give a shout out to Barricade Cyber Solutions. This actually seems apropos. Threat actors suck. This right here, my friends, this is Barricade Cyber Solutions merch. Yeah, exactly. So here, let me do this. I could turn the audio up, but I think the music goes up too. Yeah. So I don't know if this is too loud with my volume. That's the problem. I I, I don't want to be like drowned out by music when I'm speaking. Uh, anyways, guys, let me do let me do myself a solid really quickly here. I'm going to go ahead and plunge the coffee as the barricade squad uh, squad memberships wash over everybody. And then we're going to go around the world. So get ready for that. Oh, Space Tacos likes Hack the Planet. I love that, too. All right, here we go. Oh, the plunge just happened. Oh, yeah, we got we got time for jaw jacking later today, people. All right, here we go. Coffee's being poured. Get ready. We're about to go around the world. I got to do the read for Bar um, ACI Learning. Guys, check it out. Worldwide Wednesday is presented by IT Pro TV, now IT Pro from ACI Learning, the international online training solution that professionals in audit, cyber, and IT turn to for binge-worthy content. If you didn't know, you can use my promo code, simply cyber 30 to get 30% off your first month or first year. Now, before we go around the world, let me just holler at you for a minute. If you are new here, right? Know this, every single episode of the Daily Cyber Set Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So just say what's up in chat, take a screen cap, file it away. It stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. Now, if you're not sure what to say, hashtag team live. If you're on replay, hashtag team replay. What's up team replay people? I love myself, some team replay people. Welcome to Bucky's. Oh my God, I live this nightmare now. Bucky's is living rent-free in my brain. Oh my God. Um. Okay, so if you're new here and it's your first show, hashtag first timer in chat. Just say hashtag first timer in chat if it's your first time here. 
Mods, get ready. We're going to go around the world. So, guys, in about five seconds, I'm going to start. Here, I'll start it now. Daft Punk coming in hot. Here we go. All right, guys. So when I ask you where you're at, let me know because we're about to go around the world. All right, everybody, where are you at? Let's see if we can go around the world in two and a half minutes. Go. Where are you at? Where are you at? Carrie's always first in line, blowing up the United States with Texas. Homeschooling up in the UP, Michigan. What's up, Philippines? Bringing it. Uh, I guess we'd consider that Pacific Rim. We'll give it give credit to Asia. All right, Afghanistan's in the house. What's up, Afghanistan? Good to see you. Boom. France, viva la France. Boom, love it. The boot in Sicily, Tom Bishop representing. Welcome to Bucky's. South Africa, come on. Canada, what's up, Maple Leaf? I love it. The PR, Pittsburgh. What's up, Buffalo? Good football team you guys got. Nassau, Bahamas in here. What's up, Washington State? I got Afghanistan. Very nice. Liberia, West Africa. Thank you for the assist on where. Liberia, bringing on Africa. Indiana, Philippines, Big D, Denver, Columbia, South Carolina. What's up, upstate? Hey, Detroit. Nobody messes with Detroit. Detroit's football is a great story right now, too. Uganda. Where's Uganda? That's probably... Ah, Uganda, where are you? I'm going to need some help on Uganda. There it is. There it is. I got it. Boom. All right, Jackson, Mississippi, Australia. What's up? Oi, oi, oi. Hey, Norway. That's a new one. We haven't had Norway before. Great to have you. Hey, North Dakota. Dream logic. You'll have to be a little bit more specific than Asia. Hey, Bangladesh. I see you. Isn't Bangladesh right here? It is. Nailed it. Houston, Texas in here. Hey, Zimbabwe. What's up? I see you, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Landlocked country, Zimbabwe. Hey, Las Vegas. Blinking Scott, love it, love it, love it. Hey, Team Live Africa, yes, Maryland, what's up? Good morning, people. Yeah, Detroit, they know what's up. Hot Atlanta's in the house. Belgium with all their delicious beers. Where's Belgium? Belgium, Belgium, Belgium. There it is. Very nice. Europe is in the house today. Uganda patch that? Oh, my God. Botswana's in the house. Hey, Botswana, good to see you over here. Where are you? I feel like you're in, like, southern Africa. Botswana, Botswana, doink, got you. Hey, hungry, hungry, boom, Europe, Spain, god dang, you guys are on fire today. What's up, New Hampshire? Good to see you, Tulsa. Yes, high town, Austin, Texas, the DR in the house. Good to see you, Leonardo. Back from Rayaces, DR's in the house. Come on, coastal Georgia, I love it. Hot Atlanta, I love it. Columbia, thank you very much for bringing South America online. Steve is in the house, people. I love it. I love it. I love it. We got 19 seconds. Colombia, Spain, DR, Botswana, Hungary, Florida. Love it. Florida man's in the house. Ethiopia's representing. Very nice. Ethiopia. Just saw that. Bangladesh, Asia, Norway, Australia. Great job, everybody. Great, great job, everybody. Really, really well done. Um, Really well done. We're about to get into it. Again, thank you to ACI Learning for sponsoring the segment. We, everybody, we went around the world. Look at this. We got South America. Thank God Steve uh, was here today. North America, Europe, bringing it in strong. Norway representing today. Kind of light on the Asian contingent, but Afghanistan and Bangladesh was representing Australia in all its glory. And then Africa. I got to tell you, Simply Cyber community members, 
you you guys represent Africa for for sure. Wicked strong. Love it, love it, love it. Congratulations, everybody. It always warms my heart when we go around the world. But now it's time. Now it's time to work. Oh, India. Hold on. India's we blink. All right. All right. And I know you can't see the whole map. Um, in, in December, I'm actually going to be reformatting the look and feel of the morning daily cyber threat briefing so we can see more of the screen. I think you guys will enjoy it, but I'm still trying to dig out from work. All right. But guys, guess what? It is now time to do work. So do me a favor. Get your coffee, get your water, get your bourbon. If you're uh, if you're in Australia, it's probably bourbon time. And sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over all of us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. Internet-wide zero-day bug fuels largest ever DDoS attack. An internet-wide zero-day vulnerability is to blame for a record-breaking distributed denial-of-service attack dubbed HTTP2 Rapid Reset. Amazon Web Services, Cloudflare, and Google Cloud each observed the just-minutes-long attack on August 28th and 29th, with Google recording a peak of 398 million requests per second, seven and a half times larger than any previous attack against its resources. The providers partnered with DDoS security and infrastructure vendors to minimize the effects of the attacks, mainly through load balancing and other edge strategies. The exploited protocol HTTP2 enables browsers to quickly view website images and text, and the protocol is used by roughly 60% of all web applications. Many organizations will remain exposed to the attack until they patch their HTTP2 instances. All right. Um... So I'm not familiar with this uh, part of the protocol, but it doesn't surprise me. You know, modern web browsers, web apps. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of data flying around. Images, you know, rich websites, you know, rich immersive uh, end user experiences. So apparently, HTTP2 is part of this protocol. Again, new to me, but you know that's why <laughs> that's why I I do the show too because I need to stay current. Uh, HTTP2 has this ability to um, request graphics somehow to be faster and essentially the threat actors have discovered as as they you know have always done um there is a flaw in the protocol that allows you to request cancel request cancel very quickly to basically uh overwhelm the web server and basically fill up its its buffer queue for taking action okay <coughs> if you want to see a classic example of a denial of service attack and how protocols can be um, weaponized or, or exploited, excuse me. Uh, and, and by the way, this is why it's very useful to understand technology to some degree before you do information security, simply because if you don't know how it's supposed to work, it's very difficult to understand how you can break it, especially if you want to be on the offensive security side of things. Um, cause th those cats, they're, they're really good about like looking at things from different angles and different perspectives, but a TCP, um, connection has a three-way handshake, right? Sin, SYNAC, ACK, right? Well, if you just send the SYN, when the server sends the SYNAC back, if you don't acknowledge it, like every other web browser in the world would do, then the server just is waiting for the connection to come. And that's like a classic SYN flood attack where you basically are overwhelming the server's buffer with waiting for acknowledgements, right? Now that's an old school attack and that doesn't really work all that much anymore, but 
Hey, thanks, Dubs, for the... Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks for the gifted sub, whoever the lucky lucky duck is. There you go, Alonzo Chandler. Nailed it. Um, anyways, with these denial of service attacks, thank goodness for big companies that have good hearts, like Ada... Uh, well, I should, I should preface this. Amazon, Cloudflare, and Google, um, they all have the capability to see these attacks. They all have the ability to um, coordinate quickly with denial of service security vendors in order to address it. Like if this hit us, like like Simply Cyber or something like that, I wouldn't be able to do anything with it. I hope Ian Anderson is at the cybersecurity event. I'm going to an OKC, hoping to make a connection to help me break into cyber. Thank you for these live updates. Raging Greg. Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right. Hey, Raging Greg, let me, um, let me just tell you, Ian Anderson, speaking of Ian Anderson, I, I didn't, this seems very, very timely. Um, let me see this and let me see this and let me see this. Uh, do, 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 do. Yeah. Like, look at this really quick. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if this is like on purpose or not, but like, um, Ian Anderson is actually going to be my guest. I know you can't really see it right now because I'm a hot mess on fire, but like right here, I, I don't know if you could see it, but Ian Anderson is my guest tomorrow night on simply cyber live i just haven't scheduled the event it, i'm going to schedule it right after um right after this stream jaw jacking so raging greg if you really want to connect with ian anderson come on to the show tomorrow night and say what's up in chat you'll 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 already begin networking with ian anderson which is pretty dope one thing about this story that i am upset about um anytime there's a denial of service attack story in the news there is usually some type of infographic showing the network bandwidth peaking and then going down. They didn't have it in this story. I feel a little let down, but I'll get through it, okay? All right, let's go. 23andMe resets user passwords after genetic data posted online. Following up on a story, cybersecurity headlines brought to you on Monday, genetic testing company 23andMe said it's requiring users to reset their passwords out of caution. The company said that hackers accessed accounts using passwords that were made public in previous data breaches. Beginning last Wednesday, hackers began advertising alleged 23andMe user data on breached forums, offering individual profiles for between $1 and $10 each. According to 23andMe, the data was compiled from users that had opted into a feature that automatically shares their data with others. Theoretically, this would allow a hacker to access more than one victim's account for every account they broke into. All right, hold on one second. I was not listening because uh, I was investigating whether or not I could turn off this whooshing sound because we have a hundred, we have a hundred of these whooshing sounds coming. <laughs> all right, here we go. Um, Twenty-three and Me reset all user passwords. Um, you know, this is no surprise, dude. You got breached. There's genetic data. It, it's getting leaked. No kidding. Ugh, like surprise, right? Twenty-three and Me again. I don't know if this was a ransomware story. Um, I don't know if this was a ransomware story or if this was a, uh, just a straight up data breach, but hold on one second. how do I do it? How do I, how do I turn off this noise? Uh, is it under advanced? No, uh, I really shouldn't be doing this while I'm streaming. All right. So listen to me, 23 and me reset user passwords. That's a major decision. Like remember this. Okay. They're doing it out of caution. Honestly, they're already in like crisis mode because they're notifying everybody that their genetic data has been leaked. So why not reset their passwords? Normally it's really painful because here's the deal. 
if I re say I have 100 customers and I reset 100 customers' passwords, not all of them are going to be happy about that. Some of them may cancel. Some of them may never come back to the service, like just straight up be like, ugh, right? It calls attention to the problem. Some of them may not even know about the data breach, but now you're going to have to disclose it, right? Um, thank. Oh yes, Leonardo Nunez. It was just credential stuffing, but but Leonardo. I mean, that was just initial compromise. I didn't. I didn't know if they dropped um, ransomware in there. I don't think they did. But um, I don't know. Like I, I've always felt like with these um, DNA websites, and this is a personal choice. I always feel with these DNA websites that like Ancestry.com, 23andMe. I know people do it and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm like 5% Swedish. And it's like, all right, that's great. And I've always been like a chicken little, like I'm not putting my data in there because I don't want, it's, I, I, it's, there's no level of protection, right? <laughs> like, I don't believe that you're going to protect my data. And now everybody's always been like, oh my God, Jerry, you're so paranoid. You're so, like, I've been called neurotic. I've been called paranoid. I've been called like, like made fun of um, by my non-infosec friends. And it's like, are you happy? Like, is are you happy now? Like, are, are you not entertained? Like, get that, get the, um, the, um, oh my God, the Russell Crowe, are you not entertained from uh, Gladiator? Uh, anyways, this is a horrible look. Well, uh, we've covered this story already as far as like what the impact could be. Right now, we don't have the ability to like clone someone. So it's not like I get your genetic data and then there's like two Stephanie Strausses running around or, or Gabe Listers, right? Like with all due respect, it would be great if there was two Gabes and two Stephanies, but we don't have that technology yet as far as I know. For me, the impact is more about like extorting someone, um, disclosing that someone has some type of, uh, um, you know, illness or, you know, likelihood to get an illness or you know, maybe like discovering, uh, like, uh, two people are connected that you wouldn't necessarily know. I, I don't know. To me, I, I'm also not an expert on, um, genetics and stuff like that. So if anyone has any thoughts in chat, I would love, uh, for your thoughts on what that genetic data could do if it got in the wrong hands. Microsoft exchange gets better patch to mitigate critical bug. The exchange team asked admins to deploy a better patch for a security flaw that enables unauthenticated attackers to escalate privileges on unpatched exchange servers and low-complexity attacks without the need for user interaction. Although Microsoft issued an initial patch during its August 2023 patch Tuesday, admins also needed to manually remove the vulnerable Windows IIS token cache modules or run an additional PowerShell script to protect their servers. As part of the October Patch Tuesday, Microsoft has released a new security update that fully addresses the original flaw without requiring any additional procedures. All right. So if you are one of the eight people still running Microsoft Exchange Online for some reason, please stop doing it. <laughs> please stop doing it. All right. So if you are, like in all seriousness, if you are running Exchange on-prem, did I say online or on-prem? I meant on-prem. Um, you should consider migrating to the cloud if you can. But if you if you are um, not doing that for whatever reason, there's another patch coming out. At this point, honestly, you should be an expert at patching your Exchange server just because the amount of like hot mess expresses that have come through in the last two years, uh, like Proxy Shell, uh, Zero Logon, uh, Zero Logon, Zero Login, um, like it's just... Poor, poor exchange has been hammered for 
probably 18 months and it just keeps getting uglier and uglier. So you should know how to patch it at this point. Um, this particular issue is a network-based attack uh, with a brute force on uh, account passwords. Uh, that's kind of interesting like that you can't uh, configure it to disable an account after X amount of logins. Um, Oh boy, this is bad. Admins has to re-enable vulnerable IIS module. Like when you're, when, <laughs> my God. So like you should know like when your best option is to be like to turn something on that's vulnerable, that's a hideous look. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have more to say on this. If you're running exchange online, excuse me, if you're running exchange on-prem, definitely check this story out. Um, for a short-term tactical solution and long-term strategic, you should be looking at migrating off Exchange on-prem. Uh, it's not a terrible product. It just has so many like flaws. And um, unfortunately, threat actors are good at discovering them. It reminds me, like back in the day, guys, I don't know if you're, you know, you have gray in your hair and would remember this, but back in the day, like Flash, um, Adobe Flash, um, it was like, Every single, <laughs> every single week, there'd be like a flash flaw that could like get exploited. And because flash was used all over the internet uh, to make things cool and fun, uh, you would just get compromises all over the place. Exchange on-prem is like slowly, you know, getting into that territory for me. Microsoft to kill off VB script in Windows to block malware delivery. After 27 years of use, Microsoft is planning to phase out Visual Basic Script or VBScript in future Windows releases. The VBScript programming language was introduced back in August of 1996 and was bundled with Internet Explorer until the browser was deprecated by Microsoft earlier this year. Malicious actors have used VBScript to distribute malware, including notorious strains like LokiBit, Emotet, Qbot, and Darkgate. Over the past several years, Microsoft has taken measures to curb attacks on VBA macros and disabled VBScript by default in Internet Explorer 11 on Windows 10. Microsoft will continue making VBScript an on-demand feature until it is sunset. Good. And Good, good, good. Okay, so VBScripts being basically sunset, good. Uh, threat actors use it to execute code. This does, I mean, this is just like basically exposure management, attack surface management. When when threat actors get on a box, if they can run code using native binaries like VBScript, like meaning they don't need to install um, certain software, they can just quote unquote live off the land using things that are going to be on any Windows operating system. They know VBScript's going to work, so they can just pull down VBScript and run it. Well, VBScript's been around 30 years, it's being sunset. Hopefully, this helps. This is very similar to disabling macros in office applications kind of protecting carl from carl! protecting carl from carl right this is good i like it um this doesn't stop threat actors right so like just really quick like all right so threat actors writing vb script now they're just gonna you know drop the vb script code in chat gpt and say chat gpt rewrite this code in powershell if i was a threat actor that's what i do if my claim to fame was like some sick vb script app I would just drop it and and have it rewrite in PowerShell and then just go about my way, right? Like so. Now you got a um, same functionality, and PowerShell is probably going to run on modern operating systems. So, to me, this is just you know good attack surface exposure management. Microsoft, not a you know a lot of people, okay, a lot of people, a lot of businesses, and it pisses me off, frankly.
I'm being super chill right now. Um, will not sunset technologies. They'll like they'll just let it go. Like, oh hey, we moved on to um like like exchange, Microsoft Exchange. I just talked about exchange and moving to um uh online uh Microsoft online um in in Azure, right? Or in Office 365, right? So let's say we do that, okay? Me, you, and Scott Hardy are oh hey, Scott Hardy, first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Scott, you're jumping right into the ring. So me and Scott Hardy migrate our Microsoft Exchange uh, server up to the cloud, right? Now, we're not lifting and shifting the server. We're moving the functionality of our user population to use Microsoft Exchange Online. Okay, cool. Now, we need to sunset the Microsoft Exchange server infrastructure. A lot of businesses... They do all the work to get the new system working, all right? So, hey, Stephanie, are you getting email? Emmanuel, are you getting email? Yes, we're getting email, Jerry. Perfect. Microsoft Exchange Online is up and running. Me and Scott Hardy, high five. We go get ourselves happy hour beers because we're like, we're the best people ever. We're straight up moved to on uh, Exchange Online. Jerry's always complaining about it. Now we're there. We're safe from everything. And then you still got this exchange server. Mail's not flowing through it, but it's still sitting there. It's still vulnerable to crap. It's still, um, you know, an entry point. So a lot of times organizations, and by the way, no one's complaining about the email anymore. Oh, email works fine, ah, right? You need to sunset systems. You need to decommission systems. When, Like anytime you do a project, listen, I'm sorry now, because now I'm getting angry. Listen, anytime anyone does a project, I don't care if it's your project or it's a project like, you know, that you're aware of and seeing. If it's a project to introduce a, a technology that's replacing something in your environment, you should absolutely ask in the plan, where in this plan do you decommission this system, the old system? Where are you doing with all the data that's in that system? Who can access it? Like, what's the timeline? Everybody's so hyper-focused on rolling out the new technology because it's all shiny and sexy. And no one asks the question, what are you doing about the old stuff? I know it's not cool to repair a bridge. It's cool to build a new one. But guess what? We like we gotta we gotta deal with our uh you know existing infrastructure, buddy. So anyways, um second of all, really quickly, um I just hate dude, I have seen so many freaking legacy systems, things that were sunset five years before I got there that are still on the network. And I'm like, what are we doing here? What, what is this? What is this? And they're like, Oh, that's the legacy system. It was replaced when we rolled out Epic. And it's like, and what are we doing? It's like, Oh, we need to access the legacy data. Like, can you, who's accessing it? Can we pull logs? Is anyone accessing it in the last 18 months? No. Can you give me a good reason? We're on to the next thing, Jerry. We're on to the next thing. Please don't bother us with this old stuff. No one's getting reelected with old stuff. All right. Finally, quick thought. Um, this picture is really cool. Th these uh, people at the bottom are probably like, let's say they're SOC analysts or threat intel analysts. You'll notice their desktops, okay? You'll notice their desktops. This guy right in the middle, he's got a spreadsheet. This guy on the left, he's got a file explorer. This guy back here, he's looking at something. You'll notice none of them are looking at donut charts. None of them are looking at a world map of like a pew pew map. Now, look at the top. You see the top where they have this like three screens and there's eye candy. There's like a picture of the globe spinning around. We've got donut charts and histograms. This 
is for the leadership walking by who are like, yeah, look at us. We've got cool tech. Yeah. Nobody, if you are new to the industry, nobody who is a SOC analyst or actually working looks at these charts. This is eye candy for visitors and executives. That is not <laughs> useful. All right. A word from our sponsor, Hyperproof. We get it. You're a risk manager or compliance professional, and you're overworked. You're trying to do the right thing by keeping your company safe and secure, but your technology is holding you back. Why not upgrade to Hyperproof? Hyperproof is a platform that not only eliminates manual tasks you dread, but helps you scale security. Get a demo today at hyperproof.io. All right, it is the mid-roll. Hey, Scott Hardy, get some of this. All right, everybody, thank you so very much for being here uh, for the mid-roll. I want to thank the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, who not only sponsors the show on the regular, but also gave 100 squad memberships earlier today. I want to say shout-out and what's up to Panopsi Security for their continued support. Thank you so very much. And then want to say holla, holla, holla to Anti-Siphon Training. If you didn't know, anti-siphon training is disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of their financial position. <laughs> we offer They offer their students the opportunity to learn skills, practical hands-on experience from industry practitioners and leaders, including my man, John Strand. Love myself some John Strand. Going to see him next week in Deadwood. Um, go check it out. There's a link in the description below. Go to training, pay what you can training. You can take this training for absolutely free, zero dollars. Okay, you want to study for CISP? You want to learn Wireshark? How about some API testing if you're into uh, that? They got so much here. Go check it out yourself. Anti-siphon training. Thank you so very much for all you do. Now, I want to thank all of you, like Kimberly and Jana and Daniel Moore and Christopher Cahall. Not only IT, Jada Hermit. You guys are all amazing. Please help other people find the Simply Cyber Community channel by hitting the like button on YouTube right now. This button right here on the left of my face, if you can hit that like button on YouTube, it will trigger the YouTube algorithm to find other people who are interested in cybersecurity content like Scott Hardy and have them discover the Simply Cyber Community. All right, so Scott Hardy, he was probably just driving by, like going to pick up some takeout. And he's like, YouTube's like, hey, there's some cyber stuff over here. And Scott Hardy's like, oh, I'll just pull over really quickly because you all hit the like button yesterday or maybe today. So pay it forward. Hit the like button. Thanks, Jen. I definitely appreciate it. All right, guys. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Did you know that we are hacking LinkedIn every single day? What do you mean, Jerry? Well, if you're interested in getting a super dope LinkedIn feed that's supercharged with cyber cybersecurity content and really great people. So your feed's just a delight to turn in tune into. Then do the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. It's right here. How do you do it? Well, let me explain. Go on LinkedIn. Step one. Step two, search for this hashtag, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Step three, connect with the people posting, connect with the people in the comments. Final step, comment on all the posts. You will get picked up in the Peloton because people are connecting with the people in comments, including you. Couple weeks time, your LinkedIn feed, you're gonna have hundreds of connections. Your feed is gonna be full of cybersecurity content. You're going to love it. It's amazing. Exactly. 
So uh, I forget who's got the um, nice Jake Wooley. What's up, Jake? So I guess Jake's a first-timer, too. All right, I'm not sure who has the baton. It looks like B Panther has the baton. Robert Barrario. Robert, B Panther, do me a solid and tag somebody with the baton. Whoever gets the baton. Yeah, there he is. B Panther, who wants it? Who wants the baton? Who wants to take on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? Holler at me and let us know. Definitely love it. While we're doing that, I just want to remind everybody that this Thursday, I will have Ian Anderson on as my guest for Simply Cyber Live. And on Friday, we are going to be doing a wet run of the Simply CyberCon. What's a wet run? It's a dry run, except we're drinking beers. All right. All right, I'm going to slide back into the news. Uh, B Panther, uh, you tag someone. Let's roll. Hey, Secure Nation, good to see you. exploit could pose serious threat to Linux systems. GitHub's security lab has warned Linux users about a serious remote code execution vulnerability affecting a component of the popular GNOME desktop environment. The flaw was found in a library called LibCube, which is used by a search engine called Tracker Miners, which GNOME uses to increase file search efficiency. Researchers released a video demonstrating a one-click exploit for Ubuntu and Fedora Linux distros and noted that all distributions running GNOME could be vulnerable. The researchers publicly released a simple version of the POC, which only causes benign system crashes so users can check their systems. Researchers say they won't release a fully weaponized exploit until users have had the chance to install the patch. All right, a couple things. One, I didn't know Ubuntu ran on GNOME. When I first saw this, I was like, all right, GNOME, like whatever. Ubuntu is a very popular um, distribution. I like personally, I feel like Ubuntu is like a uh, tr <laughs> training wheels is probably uh, kind of frames it incorrectly, but if you are a Windows user and you like want to try Linux, Ubuntu is is like the best option. Like I, I feel like Ubuntu is like as close to Linux. Uh, excuse me, Ubuntu is as close to Windows as you can get. So it's like it's like a nice, um, you know, those pools where instead of steps you have like a ramp going into the water. That's what Ubuntu is. Okay, I guess it runs on GNOME. For some reason, I thought it ran on Debian, but it doesn't matter. So here, there's a one-click exploit out there. If you're running Linux, chances are <laughs> you know how to like patch your system. So, you know, I don't know how to do it on GNOME, but app, app, uh, app get upgrade dash Y, whatever. So keep your stuff patched. Um, interesting thing I want to point out here. So to me, the story isn't, uh, it's less about, um, this, um, vulnerability, although you should, you should just as a best practice, you should be scanning your environment regularly, identifying vulnerable systems. If you have Linux systems in your environment, you should probably know about them. It's going to be far fewer than your Windows systems. I do want to point out that sometimes Carl, Carl in accounting, he's, you know, he likes to dabble in tech on the weekends and Carl in accounting likes to run a Linux box because Carl's like, you know, look at me, I'm uber elite. So you, you could have you know, assets in your environment that you're unaware of running Linux. Ubuntu does have a server distribution. So maybe part of your server farm is um, Linux. So just be mindful that it could be in your environment as a uh, shadow or unmanaged infrastructure. Um, the one thing I really want to point out here, and to me, this is more interesting. Um, yeah, hold on. I don't understand B-sex lines here, but yeah. Um, 
here, here's the one thing I want you to take away, especially if you are new to the industry. Okay. This probably won't make as much noise in this store, in this instance, because Linux is, you know, has way smaller footprint. But the security researchers released a POC or proof of concept exploit code, okay? Which basically just causes a simple system issue or whatever, right? So POCs, POCs are commonly released in order to demonstrate to the vendor or to the community that the vulnerability is legit and the vulnerability will result in compromise, whether it's a system crash or it's, you know, uh, access or whatever, right? It's, it, but it isn't the full attack because they don't want to make the full attack available to the public until the vendor or the community has a chance to do something about it. Okay. So that's what's going on here. And it, again, it's not uncommon for POCs to be le not leaked, but like published to GitHub, publicly accessible. What I want to let you know is two things. One, normally security researchers will discreetly disclose it to the vendor. And then after the vendor has done it, then they'll publish their POC. In this one, it's because it's the whole community. Maybe they were trying to do it to force people's hands, whatever. Threat actors, that, like basically th there will be a fully weaponized version of this exploit code, if I had to guess in less than a week. When you release POCs, it is basically like uh, a head start for threat actors to begin to weaponize full exploit code, right? So me, I, you know, like I used to uh, be a software engineer a million years ago, but I probably would not be able to take the POC and weaponize it. But there are a lot of people out there who can do that. They may not be able to write the uh, write it from scratch, but with the POC, that gives them enough to be able to write the whole code. So it's not uncommon. I guess here's the takeaway. It's not uncommon to see a POC get dropped and then, uh, you know, like within a week or two, see a full exploit happening in the wild because that POC basically gets, um, uh, you know, drawn out and, and, and teased out by threat actors. So that's what's up there. Okay. DDoS malware variant expands. To yeah. Well, here we go. If here we go, this is compliments of B sec. I'm going to drop this in chat. If you are running these type of systems or you're responsible, you just have to run apt-get update and apt-get upgrade on the terminal shell, probably with sudo or root access, right? And then um, you'll be fine. Targets with 13 router exploits. A Mirai-based DDoS malware botnet tracked as IZ1H9 has added 13 new payloads to target Linux-based routers and routers from manufacturers including D-Link, Zixel, TP-Link, and Toto-Link. Researchers report observing peak exploitation rates in early September, attacking nearly 30 CVEs across vulnerable devices. After exploiting one of the CVEs, the <laughs> IZ1H9 payload fetches and executes a script that deletes activity logs before connecting to bot clients tailored for different system architectures. The script then modifies the device's IP table rules to obstruct connections and make it harder to remove the malware. Finally, the malware establishes communication with the C2 server and waits for commands to execute. Oh. And that's not good. Okay, so a couple of things here. One, um, speaking of code being dropped online and then weaponized by others, Mirai, M-I-R-A-I, is a seminal piece of malware. If you don't know about Mirai, I would encourage you spend, I mean, you could. Pro there's probably documentaries made of it at this point, but 
Uh, Mirai was originally, it, it, it's a botnet malware, right? It's got a couple features, right? One is its spreading mechanism. Now, originally, all Mirai did, and this is going to blow your mind, okay? <laughs> all Mirai originally did was randomly p pick an IP address, right? So IPv4 addressing goes from 0000, 000 to 255. 255, 255, 255, right? So there's a finite space of what IP addresses. Mirai originally would just randomly pick an IP address and then attempt to connect to it. And then it would use um, default credentials from uh, like router and, and switch vendors, right? So like log, like uh, admin, 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 guest, guest, admin, admin password, right? Like all the normal like default creds that we'd see. And and you might be thinking like, how does that even work? Like 1.2.3.4 doesn't have a router sitting at it. So like, how's it going to log in? Didn't matter. There are enough devices on the internet that are actually routers or running. I think it connected on Telnet actually, port 23. There are enough out there and they are configured with default creds that the Mirai botnet actually got at its peak. I want to say 500,000 nodes on the network. So that was its spreading mechanism. The second thing it could do was take commands from a controller to do denial of service attacks. And basically the entire intent of it was originally, and this is going to blow your mind, it was originally designed to blow Minecraft servers off the internet, right? That's it. The two, the three kids from Rutgers who wrote it, they wanted um, their Minecraft server to be the server that people use because they were making um, great cash, homie. getting paid. And then the feds got involved. They released their Mirai source code thinking they would hide in the noise. And then unfortunately, the FBI already got them and they released this code and criminals everywhere rejoiced. It was like, it was like uh, opening, you know, a treasure chest and you just see like the golden glow over threat actors faces. Mirai got weaponized immediately. Um, and, and, and now it's still today. I mean, this was Mirai was probably 2012. If, I, if my memory serves right. Um, but here's the difference. It originally was not doing exploits, but it's been evolved. It's been weaponized. So now you could see, like, look at all these exploits that the Mirai code in this instance, this variant, um, is exploiting. So if you're running any of these, basically, uh, routers or devices, uh, and you're not maintaining them, you really could be at risk because eventually... If you've ever put a honeypot on the internet, you will know it gets hammered like within the first two or three minutes. Anything you put on the internet, guys, with a publicly routable IP address will get probed. There's no mistaking it. You do not hide in the noise. You're not too small to be discovered. It will be uh, discovered. And again, Mirai randomly picks you know, an IP, the four octets of the IP address. So eventually it's going to hit your IP address no matter what, okay? So just be mindful of that. And just to put a fine point on, on this, let me just like prove this to you. GitHub Mirai source code. I'm Googling Mirai source code GitHub. Look, right here, Jay Gamblin, Mirai source code. Right here, like, I mean, like, you can download Mirai right now. I mean, this is a fully... Oh, this guy's actually uh, extended it into Golang. Probably runs faster. All right. So this is what I'm saying. Like the 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 malware's out there. So again, it's just like the POC thing earlier. You're basically giving threat actors 
an opportunity to build faster, stronger, more, you know, more malware. So anyways, Mirai, seminal piece of malware. You should be aware of it. Now it's time for you should probably patch that patch Tuesday <clears throat> edition. Yesterday, Microsoft pushed its October 2023 patch Tuesday security fixes to address more than 100 vulnerabilities across the Windows ecosystem, including three flaws already being exploited in the wild. As part of the fixes, Microsoft joined tech giants AWS, Google, and Cloudflare to address the HTTP2 rapid reset zero-day DDoS flaw. Additionally, Microsoft addressed a pair of zero days in Microsoft WordPad and Skype for Business, which respectively allow for disclosure of NTLM hashes and privilege escalation. Meanwhile, Adobe joined in by documenting 10 serious flaws across Photoshop, Adobe Commerce, and Magento open source. Exploitation of the flaws could lead to arbitrary code execution, privilege escalation, arbitrary file system read, security feature bypass, and application denial of service. SAP also got in on the patching frenzy with its most severe security fixes addressing 37 bugs in the Chromium browser and SAP business client, including two critical and 20 high severity vulnerabilities. All right. Damn it. I mean, uh, all right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like a patch roundup. Obviously, you know, patching is part of, you know, a standard uh, good cyber hygiene, a good cybersecurity program. The three actively exploited zero days in the update, though, Skype for business, like what? Um, like 2007 called. They want their technology stack back. I didn't know people were still running Skype. Now, I know, I think Microsoft Teams was built on top of Skype. So sometimes when you build on top of something, you know, you're not calling it Skype for business anymore, but it it still is, even though it's called Microsoft Teams. So I'm sure it's not Microsoft Teams in this instance, or they would have explicitly said that. But I don't know who's running Skype for business. Like, I feel like this is like, you know, you got some long in the tooth gray beard who's like, ah, I'm not changing the way things work. Skype was a great solution, you know? Okay. And then Microsoft WordPad. D disclosure vulnerability. I mean, this would mean that, you know, you could read what's on WordPad. I'm not, again, I'm not sure who's using WordPad for anything meaningful or, you know, business critical, mission critical. Yeah. Um, and then this is the rapid reset attack that we covered in the first story, the denial of service attack. You as an end user aren't really managing these things. Um, if you're running web apps, if you're a cloud uh, solution provider, um, chances are your infrastructure is managed by your cloud um instance right so like let's say let's say um freaking um world of haiku right in haiku pro that's a cloud-based system hack the box cloud-based system right they shouldn't have to worry about it uh because the web server infrastructure is being managed uh, by you know AWS or Google Compute in these instances, and they are providing that. So to me, like this is a, this is worth noting the denial of service attack simply because it was the largest one in recorded history, seven times larger than any previously recorded. So that is interesting. But um, you know, patch as someone said in chat a minute uh, a minute ago, patch your stuff, right? Patch your wife, pat, patch your kids. <laughs> All right, let's keep going to undersea cable and gas pipeline caused by external activity. On Tuesday, Finnish officials say that damage to an undersea gas pipeline and telecommunications cable connecting Finland to Estonia appears to have been caused by <coughs> external activity. 
on Sunday Finnish and Estonian system operators shut off the flow of gas to the Baltic connector pipeline after detecting an unusual drop in pressure. Finnish Prime Minister Pateri Orpo stopped short of calling the pipeline leak sabotage, but said it could not have been caused by regular operations. Officials say they are taking the incident seriously as they continue to investigate the cause. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, Europe is in war right now. Um, you know, Estonia and Finland are NATO countries. Um, there's, there's a lot going on, globally speaking, guys. Okay. Israel, Hamas war is going on we covered in yesterday's news a lot of countries that are on the BRICS side of things are jumping into the fray and like throwing throwing like haymakers from like two rows back right so like israel and and hamas have like circled up and they're like throwing fists at each other and there's a group of people standing around and like like a couple people in the back like you know russia Killnet is like reaching over and like punching israel in the back of the head uh, NATO countries on one side, BRICS on the other. This sounds like it was sabotage. If I had to guess, okay, if I had to guess. Now, remember, Estonia is a super online. I think I think their entire government is online, right? Like they're like the most forward, or at least one point, they were the most forward uh, advanced country as far as like adopting internet uh, and online for like everything. If I had to guess, the pipeline that they're talking about provided additional um, services that go beyond what they publicly say, right? So it's like internet and gas. There was there there may have been some other kind of like top secret uses for that um, for that data connection. Uh, maybe this cripples internet connectivity in some places of Finland or Estonia and kind of NATO. But to me, this is, you know, a very targeted, very specific military objective that was, you know, hit. They say in the thing, it was external activity, it uh, unusual, it, it like normal operations, like basically dropping an anchor on it or a trawling uh, fisherman catching it wouldn't have caused the damage that they're seeing. It looks like maybe like some, some swimmer or diver went down there and put explosives on it. Okay. So obviously it sounds like sabotage. Again, there is a lot going on. I didn't even know this, but just to share with everybody, I just saw this yesterday. Uh, thank you to my students at the Citadel. I did not even know that this was happening. But if you guys did not know, um, BRICS is actually adding new countries in a month or so, including Saudi Arabia, Iran, Ethiopia, Egypt, Argentina, UAE. So BRICS is going to be like BRICS, like if they try to put all the countries into the acronym, I'm being slightly playful, but my point is this BRICS uh, group is growing substantially. Uh, some of these countries are incredibly wealthy, uh, which will help obviously um, whatever the BRICS initiatives are. So very interesting. Uh, right now are strange times as far as like, war and uh you know geopolitical power shuffling and that does it for today's cybersecurity headlines you definitely need to join us this friday for super cyber friday we'll be discussing the topic on everyone's mind right now hacking oh boy all right so apparently i'm getting this right now in chat nato has already come out and said if they discover that the tampering with that pipeline um 
is in fact a military tar, uh, you know, is like military operation that could, in, that will invoke article five, which I believe is like the act of war article. So really nauseating times we're living in. Hopefully this does not um, evolve into something, but all right, guys, we're right at nine o'clock. Nailed it. I love when we hit the timer perfectly. I'm serious. Um, thank you all for being here. Let me do this. If you are here just for the news, thank you very much. I bid you a good day and I hope you have a wonderful Wednesday. Remember, tomorrow at 4 4.30 p.m., we are welcoming Ian Anderson um, onto Simply Cyber Live for a fireside chat. Um, I want to talk to Ian. He's worked in like municipality infosec for a while. Um, I really want to get his his thoughts and takes on municipality. And I'm always up here saying like, oh, they're they're underfunded. They don't know what they're doing. Like they like business like uh, local governments don't understand. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe they do understand and they are underfunded. Or maybe city planners you know take their budget. I don't know. Ian's going to come on. We're going to high five. Ian is very active on Twitter. Uh, he's a he's a good follow on Twitter as well. Um, so come check us out. And then Friday, we are doing the wet run of the Simply CyberCon. So stay tuned for that. I will schedule both of those events um, later today so you guys can uh, actually see them coming up. Uh, all right. Let me, let me do this. Let's... Uh, so if you're here just for the news, thank you. Scott Hardy, uh, other first timers, I hope you come back. But now we're going to pivot into jaw jacking. So if you don't know what jaw jacking is, get ready for this because this is epic. Here we go. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Jaw Jack. And I am your host, Jerry Guy, sometimes called Dr. Gerald Dozier. But here in Jaw Jacking, we're chill. So it's just Jerry Guy. Okay. Hope everyone's well. Great stream, great threat briefing. Uh, but now let's kick it old school. I'm going to pour another coffee. I think I'm still in my first cup, bro. What? Oh, finding a second cup of coffee is like gold for me right now. Love it. Love it. Love it. Callan. Callan got a new stuffy. <laughs> Callan's my eight-year-old. He got a new stuffy. He like, he's like, Dad. He calls him Snowstorm. He's like, Dad, you need to, you need to like hang with him today. Like gave it to me before he went to school. <laughs> so there it is. Or he gave it to me yesterday, actually. Anyways, he needs it. He needs it to chill. All right. Be 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 good, B sec. B sec's out of here. Leon Elliott coming in hot with the first question. How do you handle an incident that you could have prevented that got overlooked? You brought it to light, but got dismissed without throwing someone under the bus. Um, I mean, personally, Leon, what I would do is just be objective, right? Obviously, it doesn't help fanning the flames at that point. Um, in, in my world, I like to use what's called an SBAR, S-B-A-R. It's an acronym, SBAR. Um, I'll put it in chat. This is taken from the medical field. Let me see if I can find this. Yep. Okay. So the S bar, see if we can get a graphic for you. I like to use this. Okay. It stands for situation background assessment recommendation. Okay. Oh my God. All right. And I know this is kind of a silly looking thing, but it allows you 
to objectively convey information, right? So Leon, yes, it sucks that, you know, you told, you told Carl, right? Hello, Carl. You told Carl that like, listen, dude, you cannot be running your own Microsoft access database application. It's not good. And like the executive team is like, no, he can do it. It's cool. It, it saves us money. And you're like, all right, maybe you can put some controls in place around it. But if it does get popped, right? When it when you're dealing with the active incident, you could say, hey, here's the situation. We have a Microsoft access system that has been compromised. And we believe the threat actors are currently on the box. Now, background. You could say, you know, Microsoft Access, uh, you know, is a database technology. It's currently, um, you know, set up for, you know, internet facing traffic, whatever, right? Like a little background to, to orientate whoever it is. You only put a couple sentences and really the relevant details of that. Then assessment, like what, like, okay, so threat actors may, may get access to, um, the data in the database, threat actors may pivot where they're going. Um, you know, we're not seeing any other activity of threat actor activity. Also, we have firewalls. So like C2 downloads, probably not going to happen. Recommendation. Here's what I think should happen. I also suggest like providing like maybe two recommendations. So people feel like they have the illusion of choice. I know that that's a little, uh, deceptive, but people like, people like the idea of having choice. I like this technique. It's objective. It doesn't uh, zero anyone out and it kind of gets the information across. Now, the final thing I'll say to Leon Elliott is um, next, like I like to bring up um, like throwing someone under the bus. I like to bring it up after like, so like, let's say we get this incident resolved and everything's good to go. Next time you have a problem, right? you have it in your back pocket where you're like, all right, Hey, like I see that you're writing all these macros for Excel. Um, or I see that you're, you know, using Dropbox when we have Google, uh, Google one for, for storage. And the executives are like, well, you know, he's our best, he's our best employee. He works 120 hours a week for the, for the cost of 40. And it's like, yeah, no, I understand. But similar to when we had the Microsoft Access issue that got compromised, we don't have controls in place to address the risk that that is presenting, right? So you almost use it as a lesson learned. You use it as, because basically when there's an incident, the business is going to feel pain, right? You want to bring back that emotion, People are humans and they make emotional decisions, right? You want to bring back that emotion, Leon, so your words have more gravity, more weight. Hopefully that helps, okay? All right. Tim McDonald, where did I get that shirt? Well, let me show you where I got that shirt. Um, let me see. Uh... Here we go. Ready? Let me see. Let's see. Air. Here we go. Um, trying to see. It's a Barricade Cyber Solution shirt. I'm trying to see if, like, Eric Taylor just gave me the link. So I'm trying to see if I can pull it up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Bro, killing me. Does anyone have the link mods? Anyone got a link to it? I, I do want, I think it's on a uh, spreadsheet. Maybe let me see. 
Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll get it for you. Okay. It's definitely on Spreadshirt. It's definitely on Barricade Cyber's um, site. I just don't have links to it right now. All right. So, but yeah, that, that's where I got it. Stay tuned, um, Tim McDonald, and I will get this for you. Uh, I just don't have it uh, right now. Fariz Azari, does a small startup like 20 to 30 employees need an incident response plan? I, uh, yeah. Even if it's like, um, even if it's basic, right? Like, all right, what, you know, like, who do you, like, even at a minimum, like, what's the communication plan, right? Like, who needs to be told what? Who's looking at what, right? Is there one, per 20 to 30 people, you might have one person responsible for information security. Chances are it's an IT person. Uh, 20 to 30 people, a lot of times they use cloud services. Are you outsourcing anything, right? Maybe you have developers in Ukraine. Like if they notice something, if their creds get popped, are they telling you how do third parties work, right? To me, incident response, yeah, there's a lot of technical wrench turning and stuff like that. But the communication plan needs to be communicated. Also, and I just want to share this too, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated, but you really, really should be educating your end users about incident response and, and their role in it, okay? And let me give you a real example that I've seen more than once. I've seen this, I've seen this like a lot and it, it will stun you. Sit down, if you're standing, you may wanna sit down for this one. Multiple times I have gotten a phone call about an incident, okay? like um, either in-house, like the company I'm responsible for, or somebody calling, asking me to help them with incident response. And here's what happens. Threat actor logs in to, it, I'll give you one example. Threat actor logs into the QuickBooks and QuickBooks is like an accounting software for small businesses, okay? So threat actor logs into QuickBooks and now they have access to like invoicing, uh, information like that. They can change accounts, all that stuff, right? I was called about this because the threat actor changed the password to the account. So now the company could not log in to the accounting system. All right. And they were like, Oh, we can't get in. How do we get in? And I, I we worked through it, but the, the, the victim told me like, Oh, I should have seen this coming. I said, no, you couldn't have seen this coming. Threat actors, they're pretty cunning. He's like, no, like they've been logging in for weeks. We've seen like, you know, Molly told me that she like tried to log in. It said she was already logged in like two weeks ago and uh, we didn't think anything of it. And, you know, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you knew someone was logging in. They're like, yeah, but like we were still also able to log in and run invoices and stuff. So it wasn't like a big deal. And I'm like, Really dumb, for real. Like, I hate to call people dumb because I am supportive and I am inclusive, but like end users are seeing malicious logins for weeks and don't tell anyone. So to me, like communication is unfreaking believably valuable with incident response. Okay. All right. But yeah, you should have an IR plan. It just doesn't need to be like overly complicated. Thank you, Kimberly. All right. Hey, Tim McDonald, get some of this, my man. You want your little baby in a onesie to say threat actors suck? There you go. Baby bodysuit. You want something for the missus this Christmas? Women's roll cuff shirt? Threat actors suck. You're me? You get this one on the far left. I'll drop a link in chat. All 
All right, there we go. Oh, by the way, can I just share with everybody? And I know a lot of you that are still here are Simply Cyber Squad members and regulars. Dude, check this out. Do you know how I, I ran the um, that little blog post yesterday and asked you guys if you wanted to contribute to Simply Cyber to click on the link? I know many of you clicked on it. I went back and looked at the reporting. It said one person clicked on it. I, I messaged the company. I'm like, there's, there's zero chance it was one person. Zero chance. And they're like, no. I'm like, please. So I'm not even, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out of there with this thing. Like, I know more than one person clicked on it. Kills me. All right. How, oh wait, how do you think the U.S. would do against bricks and cyber warfare? Uh, Billy DP, good question. I mean, the U.S. is pretty strong when it comes to cyber capability. The NSA is no joke. Um, we have Microsoft. Uh, we have Google. Uh, we have Amazon. Like, we have really, really talented defenders and offensive capabilities in the United States, both public and private sector. So I think we would be okay. But I do want to tell you, um, when I saw the story... When I saw the story about these countries being added to BRICS, Argentina kind of caught my eye. Okay, so Saudi and UAE have deep pockets. Argentina, if you've read Nicole Pelroth's book, This Is How They Tell Me the World Ends, you know, as well as I do, that Argentina actually has a very strong um, cybersecurity. Like the people of Argentina are very good at cybersecurity, right? It's not a... It's not a country-backed um, skill set like the NSA is for the United States. But there's lots and lots and lots of people in Argentina who are very good at hacking, okay? So that actually caught my eye on that one. Also, you know, I'm sure there's Argentinians that like the United States, but as a whole, in the book, it would uh, indicate that Argentina is not a big fan of the United States and the United States policies. So that could be problematic. Plus, like, let's not forget Russia and China are in BRICS and Russia and Brazil. Brazil is also quite good at uh, InfoSec. But Russia and China are like unbelievably good at uh, information or cybersecurity and weaponizing it. And a lot, Russia has a lot of um, cyber criminal threat actor groups that are not officially state sponsored. But if Putin asks them to do things, they will do them because Putin gives them um, essentially like immunity from, from, um, from doing anything as long as they don't attack Russian businesses or Russian citizens. So, yeah, so I think it would be not good. Okay. All right, let's go. Sam West says much more realistic to try to break into the field by starting paying dues and help desk. If coming from a non it field, um, hold on one second. Let me make sure I don't have a meeting. Oh, I have a 9.30. Um, let me go for five more minutes. I'm actually meeting with Jessica Hyde. Not from Utopia, but Jessica Hyde, who is like an unbelievable uh, digital forensic um, expert. Look at this. I'm super excited. Look at this. Yeah, this... Uh, like DOD work, Intel community work. She's got a master's. Uh, she's director of forensics for Magnet Forensics, or she used to be. Um, just, I, I can't wait to talk to Jessica Hyde. She's going to definitely 
Well, I'm going to ask her if she would like to come on to Simply Cyber Live. Um, we'll get that sorted out. Uh, but I, that's who I'm meeting with. So we got we to gotta go quick. As far as Sam West's question about paying dues at Help Desk, that's one path. Sam, you don't have to go through Help Desk. You don't have to go through Help Desk. There are documented cases of grinding and... Um, you know, going into GRC or going into SOC without going through help desk. So it's not the only path. Can it be a path? Absolutely. Can it help you? Absolutely. Uh, Sam, I would just say, whether you do help desk or not, you should be networking with people, engaging with people, letting people know. If you work at a business, whether you're help desk or not, uh, talk to the information security office there. CISO, if they have one, or director of InfoSec, if they have one, express your interest and concerns. Ask them how you can help them achieve their goals and move through it that way. Axiom Brevity. Hey, Jerry, wish me luck. I have my first security awareness presentation to the board of directors tomorrow. Hell yeah. Giddy up. Giddy, 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 giddy. You crush it, Axiom Brevity. Angular's in the house. Are you going to make a... a hey, Gerald, are you going to make a Mita? What's a Mita? I don't know what that means. Angular, you'll have to let me know what Mita means. Sorry. Um... In the wind says, what's the best thing to do to build up my portfolio? I'm working on Google Cyber, Net Plus, Sec Plus, and do you think hiring rates are different for remote jobs versus local? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't think rates are different between local and remote, although they may account for your um, your location and, and adjust the salary. Actually, so like remote, if you work in New York City and you're working for a company in like Oklahoma, they're not going to pay you New York City rates, right? Same thing if you live in like San Francisco and you're working for a company in like Fubar, you know, uh, Arkansas, they're not going to pay you Silicon Valley salaries, right? So I think, you know, with far as salary goes, it's more around uh, cost of living. Um, as far as building up your portfolio in the wind, check out, um, you need uh, a lot of practical skills, right? So Get practical skills through hands-on labs and then document them appropriately. Not that you did a lab, but what did you learn from the lab? What is the impact? What is the value that you can deliver to an organization because of the knowledge you acquired by doing that lab? You know what I mean? All right, a couple more minutes here. Starting to, my stomach's kind of upset. Uh, how bad of an incident has to happen for a CISO or security personnel in general to be fired? Uh, wow. No, there isn't a measurement. I mean, that's more emotion based, honestly, secure nation. Here's the thing, like really the, the, it's not about how bad the incident is. It's about how the CISO handles the incident, right? So like if you're just negligent, like you're constantly getting into work at 11, you leave at two, you take an hour and a half lunch. You, you, you can't answer questions from the executives of the board. You suck at your job. And then there's an incident. Yeah, you're going to get fired. If you're working your ass off and properly, well, sorry, if you're working your butt off and you're communicating that you have some residual risk or whatever and you get popped, like, that's fine. You got to remember, like, the if they fire the CISO, they're, they're still exposed, right? Like, what are you going to do now? Like, you know, so I would actually say it's kind of a funny uh, double standard, but like in our industry, if you do really great work and you don't get hit, you can say, look at how good I am. I never really had a major incident. However, if you have a major incident, that's actually really valuable experience. Like I know uh, the guy who was in charge over Anthem, 
Anthem is a healthcare um, insurance provider, and they suffered a massive China-backed incident uh, years and years ago. And because he was responsible and and went through that uh, incident response experience, like he got jobs because of that. Like, so you can't really lose one way or the other. But uh, you know, as far as firing, there isn't. It's more about how the board feels or how your executives feel, how you handle that. Um, final question here. And I don't know how it works, Kimberly, uh, with the tracking. Um, Jenny Housley sends over Alex Goodwin's message. Without threat actors, what would your job be? <laughs> Without threat actors, what would my job? So I guess maybe Alex Goodwin is saying, if I didn't work in information security, what would I do? Oh my God. I don't know. <laughs> I would say like I'd run a, uh, I'd, I, I'd do like a late night talk show, but all I'd want to talk about is cybersecurity. So, oh my God, Alex, a, a world without threat actors. Ooh, I don't know. They do suck, but they do keep me employed. <laughs> so, ah, what a double standard. What would I do? What would I do? Hmm. I'd probably try to make a run at being a professional video game player. Like get on the circuit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. That's a really weird, like not weird question, but one I had never given consideration for. I'm like the dog chasing the ambulance. Like if I ever catch the bumper of the ambulance, I don't know what I'm going to do, Alex. Final question. Uh, Akil says, do you recommend taking a job that pays considerably less, but is in line with what you want to do? Good for your career. Um, it's hard to say, Akil George. If you do take a job that pays less and it's in line with your career, if it were me, I would have a career plan, right? Like, okay, like how long am I going to be in this job that I don't want? And how can I pivot from this job into what I do want? How can I grow? And then you have to make the commitment to yourself that like, all right, listen, I'm going to do this job for one year. And then I'm going to get out of here and go on. So what do I do for that year? Well, I need to do like additional labs. I need to take on all the projects. I have to say yes to everything, right? Like, don't just take the job and then be like, ah, like, and just be unhappy about it, right? So that's, those are my thoughts on that. All right, guys, I got to drop here. Thank you all so very much for hanging out, doing a little jaw jacking. Have a great day. Remember, tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, we're inviting Ian Anderson on. I will schedule that later today and um <laughs> base case i'm too old for video games yeah i don't know i just i'd get some uh, a suit jacket with some elbow patches and become a full-time professor and just walk around and talk about how it used to be when i am my day there used to be threat actors all right guys uh and come on out for the wet run on friday afternoon wet run of the simply cybercon I'm Jerry, your chat. Be well, everybody. And until next time, stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. Come